So, what I'd like to do today, a little different than usual, I'm going to talk for a little bit, and then uh, open it up to an informal mondo. So, you get a chance to um, express, ask a question, share. And we're going to do that in, in relation to what happened a week ago in Orlando. <clears throat> the devastation and, and horror that was caused by yet another storm of, of madness left behind 49 people dead, actually 50 dead, uh, counting the, uh, the shooter. For some reason they don't uh, count the shooter and so they focus on 49. Of course many injured and a lot of pain. A lot of pain in the wake of this storm. And a few days later, this madness appeared again, killing a British politician. And if you remember exactly a year ago, I think it was two days, a year ago, um, South Carolina, Charleston, this guy walked into a church and killed nine people, the Emmanuel Church. So these are just a few examples of, of madness in action, which we, we experience almost on a daily basis around the globe. And it's taking the life of so many people. It's almost like we we became uh, somewhat numb and used to that. And we, we read the news and oh yet another killing, another mass shooting, another bomb blowing up, more people thrown away from their homes, from their lands. So in relation to, to, to these shootings, I think it would be safe to say that the perpetrators are, some of them may be mentally disturbed, but most of them are actually psychologically fit and when they commit their crimes, when they shoot other people, they're actually quite clear, which makes it more scary. But we need to look at that. Being clear-headed, what makes them do that? We can't take for granted what we hear or what we read about in the news as, as reasons for that. What, it, what lies at the root of violent actions? What purpose is it serving? And it is serving a purpose. We say that they do it for no reason, for no real reason, but they do it for a reason. They're not just doing it. You know, animals in their natural habitat kill each other, either for the purpose of nourishment or for survival if threatened by predators. Well, I guess in both cases it would be survival, right? In the case of human, it's different. 
cannibalism is almost non-existent except for some remote parts of Indonesia. They do actually, based on stories, still have that in some remote areas of Indonesia. But most of the killings we hear about are not motivated by on the basis or by self-defense. So why do we take a life of another human being? I think essentially we have a lot in common with other sentient beings, other animals. When we feel threatened, our survival instincts takes over. And we, can res we may resort to killing in order to defend ourselves. And of course the major difference is that somehow we, we confuse the real self with the false version of it. And so it makes sense that we would act as if we are killing for self-preservation. So there is something in that killing that is motivated by need to survive, need to exist, need to leave a mark, need to be someone. And that's exactly where our practice comes in. <clears throat> and that's the question we bring into the forefront of our attention. <clears throat> or as one master said, we have to put it we have to put the question on the tip of our nose so we never lose sight of it. So what is this thing I call me? That which houses my fears, my self-doubts, insecurities, changing emotions, all that. Something is housing it. Right? It is so common to fluctuate within this roller coaster of self-worth based on what others think about me, based on what I think about myself, based on a cause we have identified with, a company we work for, the amount of money we have, assets, and so on. We keep going up and down in this roller coaster. But it's not that we just go up and down in that. It's when we go down, we act in a certain way. When we go up, we act in a certain way. So it's not in isolation, our feelings, our thoughts, our self-image come with thoughts, words, and actions. And we're so obsessed and so occupied with all these details of who I am, right? Primarily because they give us a meaning in the sense of self. So we grasp on tightly because deep down, I think, deep down we know that on the level of essence, we are meaningless. I think we know we are meaningless. And I think we have a real tough time accepting that. We don't want to be meaningless. We want to count, to matter, as an individual. So we create, we work very hard to create a self and protect it, this entity, at all costs, using violence, hatred, possessiveness, stinginess, and all kinds of other creative 
maneuverings. And it takes a lot of work because it's made up. I mean, why would it take so much work to be who we are? When you listen to the news and what's going on, when some people are asked about the root cause of, of what happened last week, some say it's radical Islam at the root cause. And I think we have a responsibility to look deeper instead of adapting slogans. When it comes down to the moment of pulling the trigger, that moment, I think it's a finger being enslaved by hatred, which is working in the service of self-preservation. In the case of martyrdom, the person is so completely identified with the ideology of the collective that it is as if the person lives on through the message. So it is also self-preservation in a different way. Yes, the body does die, but the message lives on. And I will die for the message. I will sacrifice the body because I have completely identified myself with the message. The root cause is hatred. But hatred is coming out of something. Hatred doesn't just show up. Hatred is born out of a discriminating consciousness that sees the self as separate and views the other as threat to its existence. And as soon as we give rise to the sense of separate self, we give rise to fear and step into the realm of divisions. That's the moment we have to look at. And I think we all encountered that moment. I'd just like to read a couple of paragraphs from Anderson's book, Rev. Anderson's Being Upright. He says, if you study the self and clearly see that it is nothing more than a word, you will see that it lacks an independent self-nature. With this insight, selfish motives are exposed and dropped in the realm of Dharma. Ignoring the dependent core rising of self is the equivalent of the original sin. He says it's the fundamental human disaster. That's the root cause. And then he says, we need to become aware of how our self-serving impulses are laced into and insinuated into our speech. We must thoroughly examine, thoroughly examine, how we use words. Words are discriminating consciousness. Words are also the way that discriminating conscious enslaves itself. Observing how words enslave consciousness liberates discriminating consciousness. I think it's very important to, to dive deeply into the meaning of this paragraph. Right? To observe how words, what words we use, what thoughts we are thinking, to observe how we discriminate. I think in most cases we're not even aware 
of how we create discrimination. Small-scale discrimination is large-scale discrimination. There's no difference. The appearance does change because we are not at a, at a level of going out there and kill other people for that. But it's the same. The mechanism is exactly the same. Now we, we, we chant a lot oneness, being one with all things. We are all one. One has many kinds. But that means that we are harboring the same seeds that lead to what we hear about that lead to what happened last week. That's why practice is so important. That's why it's so relevant, so crucial, so urgent. So what, what can we do, us, what can we do as practitioners in the face of this madness? How can we help? And I think often we think, well, I'm, I'm so small and my actions are so insignificant on a global scale. What can I do? How will what I do help? But think about this for a moment. Can you tell how far the ripple effect of your thinking, of your words, of your actions will go? Is it possible for you to know that? One word one gesture, a frown, next to somebody else, can start an avalanche. You will never know how far it goes. That's the responsibility we have. To practice is to be responsible all the time. It doesn't mean we don't screw up, mess up fall back on old habits. We do. But then to snap out over and over again. Not to wake up is, is a verb. Right? Realization is not a one-time deal. That's it. You realize and you realize and you realize. And you do whatever it is you have to do to stay awake, to stay alert. Use toothpicks to keep your eyes open. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I think that every time we hear about other people dying for, for no reason. It really is for no reason, although there are reasons why people do that, it is for no reason. I think every time we hear about that, we should use this to strengthen the practice, to strengthen the commitment, to own up and to ask, how am I discriminating? What am I doing? You know, we, we have to see ourselves as if we are on a, on a huge spider web. Every little movement on that spider web is felt throughout the whole web. It is designed for that. It is built in that way that every movement is felt throughout the whole web. 
So while you sit there at home thinking or driving and thinking thoughts of discrimination, thoughts of self and other, you are affecting the entire web. That's how responsible we need to be. So what I'd like to do today, now, is to look at what happened last Sunday and examine it on a personal level with an understanding that we are a microcosmos. We are on that spider web. We are what we think is big. And I want to do that through the scope of three different three of the 16 Bodhisattva precepts, the 6th, the 7th, and the ninth. The 6th one is, I vow to realize equality. I will not speak of others' errors and faults. And the 6th great precept is to see the inherent perfection, to see the Buddha nature in all things, and not to speak of others' errors and faults. As the faith of mind says, one has many kinds, to have no duality. To realize equality is to recognize that while appearances vary, we are all of the same origin. We are all of the same origin. Our unexamined fears and insecurities drive us to speak of others' errors and faults, which lead to, the disc to discrimination, hatred, violence, and conflict. The seventh one is, I vow to practice humility. I will not elevate the self and blame others. And you can see how they're all interrelated. All the 16 Bodhisattva precepts. This seventh great precept is to recognize the illusory nature of separate existence. And to, and to realize that self and other are not two. To elevate oneself is to operate under the falsehood of a grasping self that seeks self-preservation through some form of tyranny. By practicing humility and embracing not knowing, we realize that there is no self to elevate and no other to belittle. And the last one, this three, the ninth, I will cultivate patience, I will not be angry. This is to cultivate patience as an antidote to anger. It means to actualize harmony by cultivating kindness. This is a commitment to being in the world as an expression of loving kindness. This is seeking and cultivating harmony in the midst of diversity and differences. This is a commitment to observe the arising of anger and to mindfully transform it to compassionate action. And every day we are presented with many opportunities to face our own intense emotions, process them in the light of wisdom, and transmute the impurities into healing words and actions. To not be angry does not mean to not experience anger, but it is a commitment to not identify with the arising emotion and, and thus allow the possibility for transmutation. So these three precepts are very closely related. 
and they deal with how we create a self and how we create another and by doing that we give rise to discrimination. So with that, I would like to turn it to you for a comment, a question, a sharing. And we'll go through that one by one. Thank you. I should start on this side. Yes. Thank you, Yuri. I was going to be first, but then you decided to sit there, so. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, there's, there's so much to say on this one as I'm listening to your words. Uh, mm. I feel like I could probably speak forever on this one, so I'm trying to just narrow it down to my experience. Um, on a personal level, you know, I agree that we all have the seeds that cause us to feel these um, disparaging emotions, things that make us feel helpless or worthless, um, things that make us feel like, uh, you know, we are not important or significant in some way. And I have experience with the thoughts that uh, go along with those emotions, or the emotions that go along with those thoughts. And, you know, it can lead to very dark places. It can lead to uh, make us do things that we would never, you know, um, think that we, can, that we can do or go places, you know, we never thought we could go. Uh, anger and uh, futility. Um, so having that understanding, I can feel, you know, and obviously in no way condone those who act out, who have to, who feel that they have to make themselves um, feel more significant or, or be uh, more important to themselves and go out and do these horrendous things. I can understand it. I'm also fortunate enough to have gotten through my own uh, emotions and feelings that, that, <clears throat> that occur in those circumstances and, and, and see the opposite side. And, and understand that there is always a way out. There is always something else that can be done. Um, and I do believe wholeheartedly that, you know, in, in the precepts and that, um, you know, there's a way to take a thought um, and, and, you know, change its, its direction, regardless of where it came from, to make something that, you know, may, may be bad or may be going wrong may not be understood, may, may cause me to feel a certain way, and, and turn it into something else. Um, hatred into patience, and, and anger into patience, and, and compassion, um, to me, is, is, is uh, you know, what I have found. And it, it's funny that I look at these things that happen uh, amongst us, all of us, all, all the, the hatred and the killing and the division, and to me, it looks like a disease. It looks like it's something that, you know, as human beings, um, we've actually lost, that we've talked ourselves out of, um, to be somehow outside of nature, to be somehow, you know, 
look at ourselves as, as being you know, not part of where everything else comes from. And that, that of course, causes that, that separateness, that illusion of self, and entitles us automatically to all these other things that we think we should have or we think we should be. Well, you said something important. You said disease, right? You think it's a disease. Disease is dis-ease, right? Okay, to not be at ease. Aren't we all experiencing not being at ease? Absolutely. That's exactly it. We're not at ease with being who we are. Mm -hmm. We're not at ease with impermanence. We're not at ease with not counting. We don't count as separate existence because we are not separate. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. The restlessness comes from there. Mm -hmm. From not being in alignment with the way things are. From thinking that dying is wrong. From thinking that, that yeah. it's not fair. Yeah. That we're not already part of something that's that's you know bigger than ourselves or that's great or that's, that's important or significant. The, that's that the, the this is 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 there. <clears throat> so so that means that we have to look at in order to do something that matters. We have in this we have to look at our own restlessness and work with that mm -hmm. and align ourselves with what is rather than fight it. What we see is that what we see is fighting what is. Not agreeing with the way things are. Mm -hmm. So I think what's important is that we all recognize that we are experiencing it on a daily basis, which means we can work on it on, it on a daily basis, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so how do we do it? How do you do it? How do we discriminate on a daily basis? And how can we change that? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. And, and just to, to conclude, I, I read or heard something recently that said that... Uh, you know, if we're so fearful that something can be snatched out of our lives, you know, like that so quickly, then the opposite must be true. That something so great can happen just like that too. Yeah. That it's all what we focus on. Um, and, you know, for me through practice, that's what I choose to focus on, you know, on, on how we can turn these things um, around, how we can make people understand, how I can make myself understand. Um, that there's there's a, an enlightened path. There's there's another way to see things. There's another way to do things, um, and and that's that's what I stay focused on. We have to take the practice seriously and the self lightly. That's what we need to do. We need to take the self lightly and the practice very seriously, but not through a self. Thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't even know what had happened. It wasn't until I heard all the comments. I've been trying to stay away from the media and Facebook and everything. And um, I started hearing about it when students came into the classroom. and the faces and the anger and the comments and just trying to to um, keep the negativity out of the classroom so that I could teach, you know. And then I went back later on and checked Facebook and saw some comments. And yeah, you, you get an instant burst of <coughs> anger because 
you you see the the you know you feel the pain of the families of the victims and um, and you, you start thinking like what could cause a person to create such a heinous, ugly, horrible thing to another human being? You know what could cause a person to to do that? What was the person thinking? What was the person feeling? You know um, what you know was going on in the brain? You know what was the thought pattern? What was the feelings? What who triggered it, you know, how did it get programmed, how did it get, you know, just was it an impulsive thing, was it something that they were thinking about, you know, and I started going that way and then I realized it doesn't matter, you know, the fact is that it happened and it caused a lot of grief and a lot of pain and then I, I looked at the other comments and they started saying like, oh yeah, you know, um, you know, it was against gay people, and then oh, what about all these people in this other country that they were massacred, and then somebody asked, why don't they put them on the Facebook, and then everybody started connecting with their own emotions, with their own feelings, with their own identity, and putting comments about they only want to, the media only wants to tell you what they want to tell you, what about all these other people, and then now it wasn't just the gay people, now it was the black people, and then it was this other, and it just spread. Well, what's the common thread? It was, and it was. What's the common thread between everything you said, everything you just said? People wanting to feel significant. People wanting to leave a mark. People wanting to scream out something, and nobody's listening. You know, they feel like nobody's listening, so they're going to say, "Okay, you're not listening to me. I'm going to make you pay attention." And the, how do they make you pay attention by creating something horrible that you cannot ignore? That you have to look at it. You know, and it just, for me, it just, it, it's, it really saddens me because I feel that unless the person is going through a loss like that, unless it happens to someone close to them that they love, that they connect with, they don't, they don't even begin to imagine what they're putting the other so, so this sadness that you feel, anger that you feel, what does it do? Does it make you numb or does it make you more active, more involved, or want to be more involved and take action? We want to pay attention. What kind of actions can you take? What can you do? Be mindful of you know, how you speak. Be mindful of the things you say. Again, like a ripple effect, you know. Um, how are you showing that um, that you show compassion to both sides, not just the victims? You know, other sides. Well, the person that created, that pulled the trigger, and the person that received the bullets. You know, it's they're both gone. They're both gone, but the cause is not. It's the, not. That it's which still here. that which made it happen is it's still here. Is as there as a potential, and it's in us as a potential. It's still here. Right. It's in all of us. As a potential. As a potential. Right. So again, it comes down to what do you choose to do. Yeah. What we think matters. What we do matters. 
And also, to be, to, to, it's tough to be tuned into what's happening because every day there is some other crazy thing going on. And I think what we want to do is just shut it off completely and not listen. But that's yeah, not helping either. You see, that's not helping because we, we are ignoring what's going on, right? Ignoring anything doesn't make it go away. No, so it has to do with how do we deal with what's going on, you know, how do we deal with what we hear? And how do we take it into our lives and how do we strengthen the commitment to practice through that? Rather than be more angry. I'd rather to deal with anger, with more anger. Throw more anger into anger, it's not going to do anything. Being pissed off at what's going on is not going to help. Actually, it's going to make it worse. If somebody says, like, throwing gasoline and I'll let it match, you know, and again. Because we add our own, our own anger to the anger that's going on already. You magnify it. It needs something else. It needs a different kind of energy, which we have, yeah. which is in us. And that's what we have to do. Tap into that energy in us and allow it to flow, which means to open up. Right? To open up to everything, to the pain and, and to the beauty, right? To the happiness and the sorrows, to the whole thing. To the entirety of life. Yes. Highs and the lows. Thank you. In one of our first Dokusans, mm -hmm. I related a story to you about a conversation I had with my 12 year old about a terrorist attack. And, you know, he's at that age where he's hearing things and learning things and seeing people's positions on things. And, um, it's an impressionable time, I guess. And um, I think he's got a pretty good understanding. Um, when we were having a talk and I was like, Paul, you know, this is not Muslims attacking. Americans, this is terrorists attacking people. I don't know if you remember what you said to me. You said it's us attacking ourselves. And I think that this sense of separateness is the cause of all of mankind's woes and suffering. And you see it everywhere. And it's so prevalent and so predominant in our society today in terms of, of this sense of self and you go on social media and, and you know, it's like everyone is, is practicing narcissism and, and look what I do and, and, and look what I've accomplished and, and look what my beliefs are and it's easy to fall into the trap and I've done it enough times with this presidential campaign myself. Um, you know, it's real hard, you know, and, and it's like, ah. Um, but, you know, in, in this past Ango, one of the things that I was focusing on was the sixth and seventh precepts because words have such power to enforce that sense of separateness and you know, elevating self at the expense of others and talking about others' faults. And, and I've become very sensitized to that. And I'll be in a, a family situation in a couple of hours 
where I'm going to have in-laws that are talking about people, you know, and it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes dealing with that situation, um, but it's easier and easier for me to recognize it and to see it in myself if it should come up and to guide my own actions accordingly. Um, but, but in terms of that, that web, you know, that net and, and the impact that our actions, our thoughts, and our words have, one of my favorite movies is, is the Hitchcock film, The Birds. And I try to tell people it's not about bird attacks. There's no bird attacks in that movie. You know, it's about the, the flippant way in which we psychically ha cause harm to other people without even thinking about it, just so insensitively. And, and you see it all the time today. And, and like I said, in particular on social media, and it's just so easy for people to hurt other people. Um, and I'm not even talking about unthinking them. People do it intentionally and, and deliberately. And it all traces back, I think, to that sense of separateness and that duality, that me and you, us, and then black and white, right and wrong, good and bad, Trump and Bernie kind of thing. Right. You know, and it's serving a purpose. That's the point. It's not from the reason, our reasons. It's feeding the beast. It is feeding the beast. But it's also creating more of the same. We create it, we feed off it, we create it, we feed off it. A vicious cycle. Snowball going down. Absolutely. We create the food we need in order to keep what we complain about alive. But I don't think we want to own up to that. Individually, we don't want to own up. But we do. We do it. Thank you. Well, yeah, we create more food, but what can you do? 
how do you experience uh, discrimination? How do you experience protecting yourself? Or what can you do in order to uh, change that, to work on it? Well, I, I, after I really remember the, my stroke of insight, I start thinking more and more that we have little programs that we, we create in our brains, like computers maybe. Uh, and we can put fuel in that mm -hmm. to spin story. We get angry, what it is, it's a little program, so we can put more fuel to get more angry, or we can just try to distance ourselves from so it subsides. Program. So that so the momentum subsides on its own accord. Right. So we don't go anywhere, we don't identify with it. And yes, I mean a lot of times you, you get you catch yourself into a conversation with somebody and it's like you get caught on. Sometimes you ask, what am I doing here? What's going on? What am I, what, what for? Uh, because we have our own point of view and the other person has a different point of view. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Right, essentially it doesn't matter, but it does matter. It does matter. It does matter very much to us. And that's what we have to do the work on the level of, it matters to me that you hear me, and it matters to me that, that you change your opinion to conform to mine. That matters to me. Does But that's what's behind it, right? And that's what we have to look at. You see, because if we don't look at it, then we are just, again, feeding the same mechanism. So ask yourself, what can I do? Where am I doing it? Where am I doing it? We're all doing it, but where am I doing it? You know, shed light and then, okay, I can stop. Maybe do it less. So, I mean, um, interview with some, I think, uh, minister from Argentina. Mm -hmm. They were saying that, you know, up to now, of ideology positions. Mm -hmm. That's basically what you're saying, in a way. My way and it's your way, and instead of saying, Hey, you have to be my way, you can say, Hey, what do we have in common? And let's work on that. And it applies to all the level of you know, in the, in individual connections at companies at countries. What do we have in common? A lot. We are in common. Name one. What do we have in common? Ourselves. We are in common. I don't know. I'm, I'm asking, what, what do we have in common? What do you see that is making us all one? Humans. What about other sentient beings? What about non-sentient? Well, those that have no problems, they don't have no boundaries. No, I know, they have no problem, we have no problem. So because <laughs> of that, we are the ones that have to see that, you know, that sentient, non-sentient, we have to see that all forms are essentially one. So that's the question, you know, so why, what do we have in common? I mean, can we feel that? Can we experience that commonality? Can we see for ourselves in our practice that you and I are not separated? Absolutely. Not, not intellectually. We can buy this intellectually, but that doesn't mean anything. As a matter of fact, the moment you say this, you are at peace. When you recognize it, you stop fighting. The outer manifestation of the fight is actually a reflection of what's happening in our heads. 
It's just a, a manifestation of how we think. I was reading the, the book. Some Roman philosopher was saying, he said, you know, that there are no problems. All the problems are... What was that? All, all the problems, it's our mind perception of the world. But can you help it? I mean, can you help, can you help having uh, discriminating thoughts? You cannot help having such thoughts. That's automatic. Those thoughts come up automatically, but what you can do is decide to not go anywhere with it, to not identify with your thoughts, to not give your thoughts extension of a hand or mouth. That you can do. And that's where we have to do the work. That's where the work counts. Personally. Only personally. Right? Thank you. When I saw this news uh, um, on my iPhone, one, my, my first thought was that where is the violence coming from? Because it's, uh, it's, it's very open, it's like, like a chain, uh, uh, like a vicious cycle. It's, it spreads like a wave and uh, uh, it happened locally uh, in Orlando, but reaction is everywhere. And, uh, and people react uh, to other people, why, why he say this, why he blames uh, this or this, and uh, it's, uh, it just uh, it, it spreads and it's scary, it frightens. And then there is a question like um, this chain of um, perpetrator and victim, and uh, there is always the choice because it's, uh, it goes like a transmission, and very often people who become the victim, they, um, they want revenge and they, or they want to be hurt or they're in pain and uh, they want other people to, to experience the same pain because I'm in pain and I'm not hurt and I, I want other people to experience that also and maybe I will be understood. And I think we always have a, a choice to examine that and uh, you know, uh, my question was like how it happens that one person, if, uh, if, uh, if he's angry and in pain, want revenge and another would, uh, is open to examine that and, and would say, I, I don't want to be like that, I don't want it happen to other people, I don't want it to continue to be happening uh, with the world. So what, what makes us to make this kind of choice and to not act impulsively? Uh, Right. Of course, I agree. I want to, other people to. Where is that work? Okay, at what level can you do that work? Or another way to ask this question: Can you see that that restlessness, that the restlessness that you experience, is the same restlessness that is that can cause such action? Sure. And also, can you see? And I'm not asking you to reveal here, but you know what, what we talked about in Dokusan. Can you see that the way you are, you're dealing with this can go either way? It's a fork in the road, right? I mean, it can go either way. You can increase that restlessness or decrease it in the way you are dealing with it, right? And I think that's where it counts. 
That's where it matters, and that's how we do the work. It's not that we stop there. We actually begin there. Right? We begin there, and from there we go out to wherever it is we go to, and we keep doing that work. But it must start on a personal level. Or we all, if it doesn't, then we, we create an idea, and then we identify with that idea, with that, do, we're doing nothing that is personal. It's all externalized. And the embodiment has to do with that. Yeah, and the small thing, we, you say, we, we, we can think that we are insignificant and small, but it's, it creates waves. Absolutely, and then again, there's no way for us to know how far it goes. Nobody knows. It could be 300 years from now that one thing that you do will still be propelling itself through many other people in many distant countries. We don't know. One word. One word. But it's, uh, it's about discrimination. It's about uh, feeling about... Uh, yeah. Separating, creating a self feeding the self. But I think it's also about compassion and uh, the choice if, uh, to act out of anger impulsively or not, or examine uh, if something it's black-white, if something threatens us, we have tendency to justify that this is bad. It's and isn't that empowering? A lot of people say they feel powerless these days. Mm -hmm. They feel powerless experiencing this, seeing this every day, reading about these horrific things that are happening on a daily basis, but I think that this is where the power is. There you're not powerless. Right? You're not. You have a choice. A lot of power there. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, I mean, we, we are very horrified when you hear that people are killing other people. Yeah. Okay. But within the if you're looking at the reality of power, so to speak, uh, we find out that people die in accident, more people die than actually people sometimes killing other people. People die from sicknesses or from errors in sicknesses uh, to a higher number. Yeah. So we are always horrified just when we hear people killing other people. Um, and we get stuck on that a lot. Because we think it's avoid because we see it as something avoidable, right? You know, it, it, there's a way to avoid it. Why? Why did we? Why did he or she do that? Why are these people killing these people? Why are they throwing away people from their country? You know. So you're saying that if there is an explanation that somebody two cars collide and people die and say it's all right because. Yeah, but that's actually saying that two guys with two guns they shoot each other. Yeah, but you know, that's because we're ignorant to what brought this about. You know, many accidents happen because we don't take responsibility for our emotions, because we don't process our emotions. And then we get on the road, we don't understand, this is a weapon. We are driving a weapon. We get on the road with, you know, with all kinds of stuff floating in our heads, and we are completely detached from reality. And the chances are, I don't know how come there are not more accidents thinking about <laughs> what we are doing to ourselves, right? I don't know, I mean, there's something that is keeping us safe, but many accidents do happen because we don't take responsibility for our thoughts and our, uh, and our words and our actions. 
So safe for technology, self-driving cars are coming soon or later. I think so, yes. <laughs> Maybe you're gonna have angry programs from them. It's like that sample joke when you said that, you know, uh, with the helmet, we invented the helmet because the head that it is protecting is not smart enough to yeah. stop the body from doing these activities. <laughs> so then we invent the helmet because we know we're stupid, you know, so. <laughs> and then he said, you know, when you are falling, you know, from the sky and the parachute doesn't open, you are protecting the helmet. <laughs> Not the helmet, you. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, just a reminder of that. But uh, yeah, yeah, we have to, we have to examine. To do a deep and thorough examination. Yeah. We will have a house in the car soon. We will be going in the car soon. <laughs> All the help we can get, right? All right. Kechi. I think it's pointing at you. Oh, what? Okay. <laughs> um, I, I really. I really don't know what to say anymore. I, I don't know what to say. I feel, I feel numb. I feel exhausted. I w watch the news out of some combination of obsessive interest and, and, and just absolute numbness. I think that's, that's the state that I feel like I'm in right now. And, you know, I, it, and, and I can feel the anger welling up in me. It, you know, and it's, it's not even an anger at the actual thing anymore. It's, it's an anger at all of the other stuff that gets piled on top of it, right? So, you know, this obsessive notion that we have of why did he do it? and what does it mean? And all of these questions are just, I mean, they are so pointless and so meaningless because we, get, we go down this, we, I go down this road of, oh, wow, if, if, you know, if he was only treated this way better as a child or, um, you know, if he didn't have access to the guns because of the laws that they we're always looking for these answers. We're always looking for some explanation of why. And I, we all, I and we all have to let go of that. I mean, there is, there is no answer. And even when you try and get down to the root cause of it and you say, okay, it's hatred and hatred is based on ignorance and ignorance is based on, an, a fundamental misunderstanding of the way that, you know, the world works and impermanence. Even that is too much. Even that is too much. And and so I'm numb. I really, yeah, I'm let numb. Stop, let me stop you right there. Yeah. I'm numb is actually, this is coming out of self-concern. Those are thoughts of being self-concerned. We're not, see, this is exactly how we keep this going. I don't want to hear it anymore. I've had enough of this. This is bullshit. You know, this is not about how you feel about it. It's about how you can get over that and then go into action mode and then take responsibility for the way you are in your life, in your environment, creating discrimination, 
and then opening up rather than shutting down. I hear you. I hear you. But it's a process. It, and it ain't easy. So, I, I mean, I'll give you an example, right? I mean, yeah, I was, I was biking down the road. I, I, I mean, I recognize it. And I recognize there's a, there's a point of introspection that, that one needs to have, that I need to have, that, that eventually changes that numbness into, into action. But, it, you know, the struggle to get from one point to the other is not so easy. And I, I'll give you an example. I, you know, it, coming down, I was, I was um, you know, uh, biking down uh, the West Side Highway. Um, and just to, just to sort of use this as an example, the, the, the way that these same feelings emanate from, from myself, right? So the actions that that gunner took in Florida are really no different than the way I feel <laughs> at certain times. Coming down, there's this guy in a car in, you know, and, and he's like revving the engine, right? Like revving the engine, right? And it's, it's so annoying. I literally said, I mean, I literally said, I want to kill that guy. I mean, I said, I, I said, I want to kill that guy, right? I, I mean, if that is not sort of an, a, a, a description of what that, that person in Florida was feeling on some level, I don't know what is. I mean, it's, it's the same. the other side. See, being numb and feeling this way comes from the same place. You know, self, too much self-concern. This is what we have to get out of, this way of thinking. Yeah. All this has to do with how do I feel about this? What does it do for me? What does it not do for me? That's the whole point. But all we have are our feelings. Yeah, but that is... That's all we have. No, all you have is gang of six thieves. That's not all you have. It's all you think you have. And that's what we have to get through and get beyond because as long as we are interacting with the, this is why people do what they do this is why we live in such reality because we think that's all we have because we because we believe that what we see is what's happening what we think is what's going on what we hear is what is going on but the only way we experience the world is through our feelings How do you it's know? through our perceptions it's through our it's 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 like you said it's we we operate from our own perspective now now what, what we choose to do with it is a different story what we choose to do with those feelings, but how else can we experience the world? By starting, not by, by beginning, okay, to begin with not believing that what you think is what's going on, what you smell is what is with you, what you smell is, <laughs> <laughs> what you smell is not exactly what's going on, because think about it, you know, you smell something and it evokes all kinds of feelings and emotions and thoughts, right? Yeah. And I mean, in your profession, yeah. you go for that, <laughs> you know? What will, what will it, <laughs> I mean, because you want to evoke certain things, you know, because that is maybe yeah. we'll be selling that better, right? Right. Okay. So, but here's the thing, you know, while this is true, it is relatively true. Fundamentally, Agreed. what's missing is we need to keep one foot in nothing and one foot in something. Yes. And we have two feet, two legs in something. In something, yeah, that I guess. And, yeah. and, and what's missing is, yeah, I know it is true, relatively speaking. Right. Fundamentally speaking, not true. Right, right. And that is why, this is why practice is so essential. Yeah. You dive into nothing, you go and you sit, and you sit, you actually get away from the force and the power and, and the entrapment of our, our six senses. Yes. You actually get beyond that. And you dive into nothingness. You don't know who you are anymore. Well, we go back and we go in, we go back and we go in, and then we get comfortable in that. Yeah. So the question is, how do you bring that into, I've had enough of this nonsense. Right. I don't want, I'm numb. Right. Or I'm angry. 
Right. It doesn't matter. I'm not more angry. It's the same thing. Right. Right. But don't. But but isn't it sort of a natural thing to? Yes, we all try and we, we all practice in order to operate from that point of nothing. Right. We all try and operate from that perspective. Okay. But but isn't it also natural to to go through these sort of like you know you know phases in which you just you you just you need to pull back at some point and not and, and not engage in it, not feed it anymore, right? I mean, but, you know what I mean? By, by pulling back through, through Zen, through, through sitting, through all those, you have to pull back at some point. If you just continually engage and you feed it and you go and you look and you try and explain and all these things, it's mad, that's the madness. Yeah, but that's what we do. That's what we do, that's what I'm we, saying. We don't pull back, we remind ourselves who we are. Right. There's no, there's no pulling back from anything because nothing is nothing. There's nothing, whatever it seems like something is not a thing. We go back to remind ourselves over and over again, that's not who I am. Right. It's not who I am. Right. I know I feel this way. Right, right. But the, the, but the fact that I feel this way is not indication of who I am. Yeah, right. Or, or it's not a way to measure right. self. Right, right. Right? And yeah. then, and then yeah. at that moment, while it's happening, you're not giving it any power. Yeah. And the point is not to give it power. Right. What can I do? How does it manifest in my life? You go to work, you go to the office, you take a cab. There it is. You know, your mind already is saying, oh, this guy must be from Pakistan. What, whatever. <laughs> you know, and I wonder, whatever. But that's what the mind is saying, right? Yeah. At that yeah. moment, you can intercept that by starting a conversation and seeing that this person is like you. Right. That's yeah. one way to yeah, intercept yeah. discrimination. Right. One of many ways. You have employees. I mean, you have people who work for you, right? You have teams. Yeah. How do you interact with them? Do you see that, do you see oneness, although you are their boss? Do you see that, uh, I mean, you know, a beggar yeah. in the street, you know, whatever, right? Do you see, do you actually feel that you are the same? Right. That's what we have to strengthen. Yeah, exactly. I know that. And that is... Is that the antidote? Right. Right. That's the antidote to the madness. Right. And the good thing is that has to do with what we do. Right. So we're not helpless. Right. You see, we're not helpless. So mm. why be numb? Well, numbness <laughs> is an experience, you know. And, and, right. You know, it's an experience. But it's why an experience. Be numb, but don't be numb. Experience numbness, Ex but don't be numb. Again, yeah, I'm with it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying you're not going to experience numbness. Right. That's what I'm saying. And pain. Right. And pain. Yeah, of course. Right? I mean, you experience, you read about it and you see interviews with people who are sobbing because they lost loved yeah. ones in front of their eyes. Yeah. I mean, you want to relate. You don't want to not relate. Yeah. You want to cry with them. Yeah. And you want to laugh with others too. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's experience the whole, spe experience the whole spectrum of life and not picking and choosing. Right. Right. That's the practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard. Being in the world. Yeah. There's no other way to be, right? But it's... it's no other way to be. Right. But that makes sense. What you said is, is you experience numbness without identifying it. Right. Mm. Anger, same. Yeah. So the guy is, is revving up his car, right? At the yeah. traffic light, right? You experience. Yeah. I want oh, to yeah. kill this guy. Yeah. But then... Yeah, but I want to love him too. Right. I didn't feel that. 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 I
<laughs> I was happy that he went along, and I figured this is one of those passing waves. It was fine, and eventually it got quiet again. It was okay. But love was not a Next feeling that I had. Ask, how can I love him while I hate him? Uh, okay. Maybe I'll start a conversation. We'll see how that goes. You didn't act on your thoughts, so. You didn't act on your thoughts. I didn't act, thanks. Right, that's true. See, right. it, was, it was in that battleground where I chose that's not to act. Right. right, exactly. You, you All right. It's okay to experience that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's good. Okay, so let's uh, move on with that. Bring us home. Bring us home. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> I can remember everything I want to say. <laughs> no, um, I think um, I've heard everybody, and I just there are lots of echoes um, in me. Um, I was thinking about what you said about why. I don't think you said why, but um, you left a question in my mind about why there are not fifty victims. Um, you said, oh, 49 victims, and I, I was thinking that when I read that, I was 49 victims, but really 50. Yeah. Because, because what? Yeah. Good. Because, that's okay. Because, um, was he not a victim as well? Of these gaping wounds of separation that we all feel in minute forms and large forms. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, your your dad your dad rejects you and, and likes your and likes your sister better, which was my experience. As soon as your sister's born, he doesn't like you anymore. That's minute, right? It's it's personal. It's very it's very small because it's on an individual level. But then I was thinking in relation to that um, this visit to the Holocaust Museum uh, in Israel. And um, seeing the, the train tracks, walking along the train tracks, the real train tracks that Hitler used to um, transport people to their very painful death. Um, and hearing the sounds, the way they did it, it was just incredible. Hearing his voice echoing throughout the whole place, the whole place, all these hateful voices. And, and um, feeling that separation inside of me, um, well, it was Hitler. It was him. You know, it was all these people who were supporting him. And then the victims were all the were all the those those wonderful people who were wronged. And then I, all of a sudden, it confronted me uh, this picture of Hitler this one picture of Hitler, and he's looking directly at the camera. Um, and there's this light in his eyes that just so hateful. And I looked at him, and I felt one with him. Not because I wanted to see thousands and millions of people murdered, but because I felt his pain. His pain was intense. It must have been so intense, his pain. Feeling that huge, bleeding, infected wound of, of hatred and separation that he had. 
And I looked at him and I said, he's me. He's me. Because I felt that way. Not about a large group of people, not ethnicity, not that way, but about my father and how he separated from me from my sister and my anger towards him. He's me. Hitler is me. And it was just that moment and I just broke down. And I cried and I cried for him. And I cried for those people, all those people, Christians and Jews and whoever else. He had this intense separation from. And I, I just felt devastated that we all are so separated from each other and we focus on that separation and we burn with the fire of that separation. Yes, I'm me and he's, you know, he's him and he did this. And he's actually what I heard Trump say, he's a Muslim. Let's, let's prevent all the Muslims from coming into this country. Why? They're running too. They're running away too. They want peace too. Um, so feeling that is just, um, we, felt we feel our wounds and we run away from them. And we, we leave them open and many times, let alone, let alone not addressing them and, and you know, healing them, we infect them. So, um, just not looking at our, our, our feelings, not looking at our anger, not letting it be there, not letting our sadness just pour out, you know? Let it go. It's okay to feel it. That's part of the separation, and that's what's devastating about this. Um, so if you say there were there are 49 victims and, and one was just a deserved casualty, then you don't understand the, the connection and the emptiness. Emptiness not as a void, but emptiness as, as we are all the same. Then, how can you lead a life of non-discrimination? lead a life of unity, lead a life of, I'm with everybody else, you know, I'm feeling their pain, because I am them. I'm Hitler and I'm the Jews. I am, I am not as, you know, I don't consider myself as violent as ISIS, but you know, that hatred is there. But I'm also the victims, the refugees that we're gonna um, hold a vigil for tomorrow. I'm them too. And I cannot look at somebody and say they deserve not, they don't deserve to have what I have. Um, and I was also thinking um, of this one quote, and I'll just end with it, um, from Charles Dickens, what a great writer, and a Christmas Carol, what a, what a great story. Um, uh, when Marley comes to visit Scrooge and he's carrying this huge, long chain. And um, Scrooge asks him about it. And Marley says, I wear the chain I forged in life 
and meet it link by link and yard by yard. We all have to take that responsibility for our lives. Thank you for that. I think we find it easier to identify with victims much more than with perpetrators. But we have to see the real one, whether we like it or not. We will end with that. Thank you.